Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're going to talk about a subject. Uh, The subject is through the blood. I'll be honest with you, um, it's probably been about a month or so since I've had any kind of inspiration. And for me, I I, I love to um, develop series and sermon ideas and and the Lord just, He just moves me, and uh, I'll wake up sometimes. Often, I think some of the best series that I've preached is I'll wake up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'll be praying, and this will come to me, and I'll just start typing out notes and just trying to frame it all so I don't forget it because it's 4 o'clock in the morning. And that hasn't happened, I don't know, I've, since I had COVID, I guess. I've just been wiped out. And then so... As the weeks are going by, I think there's three or four weeks, I'm like, Lord, you still want me to do this? <laughs> I don't want to be the one to make this stuff up, Lord, you still want me to do this? And, and uh, as a pastor and a preacher, and I've been preaching since 1998, that's a little um, nerve-wracking. So uh, it was, um, I don't know, Thursday night, I think. I woke up, and uh, it was about 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I was praying. And uh, as I was praying, the, the importance of the blood of Jesus just came down on me. And it was a moment, and it was a moment of this inspiration. It was a moment of God directing my thoughts and saying, hey, you need to preach this to our people. And so I'm excited about that. I'm like, the drought has ended. Thank you, Lord. And so the goal today is to remind us about the importance of the blood of Jesus. And here's why. Because I find that if, if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, we lose confidence. Those of us that are believers, we can lose confidence in our relationship with God. We can lose confidence that He wants to hear us, that He wants to listen to us. Has anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt like you're praying and your prayers are not going any further than the ceiling? Anybody ever felt that way? Or is that just me? Thank you, Brett is honest. Praise God. Right? You're praying and you're like, God, can you hear me? And that begins to erode our confidence because at that point, right? At that point, our confidence is in us. What's wrong with me? This, that, and the other. And you start to, you start to question. And, and the importance of the blood of Jesus is that it washes away our sin and can give us and should give us absolute confidence that God will hear our prayers. And so I was laying there in bed and I started writing in my notes app on my phone and, and I was just excited about this. And so I want you to hang on for the ride. We're going to read a ton of Scripture this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to be reading in 11. The book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians, 
and the Hebrew Christians knew a lot about Old Testament law. And so some of this not, may not make a lot of sense to you who are Gentile believers, right? You haven't grown up with the Old Testament law. But if you've been saved for a while, you'll probably recognize some things. But as we go through it, I'm going to give a little commentary so hopefully we can understand it a little bit better. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So number one, there was a tabernacle in Israel that God gave Moses the specs for, right? He gave Moses the blueprint for this tabernacle in Israel. And in the tabernacle were all of these items, the, the laver, the table of shoe bread, the mercy seat, and in the middle of the tabernacle was the holy of holies. And this tabernacle was a place for the nation of Israel to worship and to make sacrifices to God. There were several different kinds of sacrifices, but the most important one was the day of the day of atonement when the high priest would go into the holies of holy holy of holies and he would he would anoint the mercy seat for the sins of the people of Israel and he did this once a year every year okay you, follow, you guys follow me right so the what he's saying here is the tabernacle that you've seen Hebrews, the temple that you've seen because the temple was made after the same specs as the tabernacle but bigger and permanent right uh, he's saying these things that you've seen, they're just a copy of what's going on up in heaven, right? I think that's really cool. Like you can look at, read the Old Testament, read the book of Exodus, look at the tabernacle, look at the temple and realize this, it's a, it's a copy of what's in heaven. Not with the blood of, now here's Christ has come as the high priest of good things to come, not with the blood of goats or calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, this is important. If you're struggling with the idea of uh, losing your salvation, you need to understand that God purchased eternal redemption for us through the blood of Jesus. And he keeps saying this. This is going to be a theme all through the book of Hebrews, in fact. There is a theme that through the blood of Jesus, he gives you a permanent, eternal redemption that you cannot lose. I don't know about you, but that gives me confidence because it's not based on me. It's not based on my ability to pierce the ceiling, to reach the throne of heaven on my own merit. It's based on the merit of Jesus. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the puring of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, how much more shall it cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So it's, it's, it's compare and contrast, right? The, the copy of the temple of heaven, the tabernacle on earth, it was sprinkled with the blood of bulls and rams and goats mixed with the ashes of a heifer that they burned on the altar and, and sprinkled with a, with a branch of the hyssop uh, bush, right? And some scarlet wool. And they would go in and they would sprinkle all of these um, objects in the tabernacle and the temple. And the sprinkling was a rite of purification, it was symbolic for purifying these elements. It was symbolic of purifying the nation of Israel. And then they would have to keep doing it because, as the Bible says, 
that blood of goats and, and rams and bulls, it was only temporary. It was, only te- it was a symbol pointing to the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And for this reason, Jesus is the moderator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal, eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Anybody know what that means? Somebody's got to die, and I'm looking at this going, testament, testament, agreement. I struggle with that, so what do you think I did? I decided to study it out. Makes sense, right? If you're reading the Bible, you're like, oh, what does that mean? Study it out. Read. Read uh, encyclopedias and dictionaries. Get some good commentaries. Talk to other pastors and preachers. And, and here's what it means. You can replace the word testament with will in modern vernacular. So, for instance, if I have a will and I have made Chloe and Nate and Kirsten, right, the beneficiaries of my will, there's no power to the will until I, until I die. So this is what he's saying, right? So you replace that word testament with will. For where there's a will, there must also of a necessity be the death of the person who wrote the will, right? The testator. For the testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats and water, scarlet, wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled the blood with blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And I want you to hold on to this. If you have your Bibles out, digital or otherwise, highlight this, underline it. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Okay? Uh, we're going to look at that in a minute. Therefore, it was, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than goats and bulls and rams and heifers. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God. Underline that. Underline it. In the presence of God. For whom? For us. And who is us? Those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has entered the Holy of Holies in the temple of God for us. Not that He should offer Himself often, the Day of Atonement every single year, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He would then have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of ages, He has appeared to put away the sins by the sacrifice of Himself. And as it is appointed unto men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, the law 
is a shadow of things to come. It can never make those who approach God perfect. There's no power in the law to perfect you. There's no power in the law to cleanse you. There's no power in the law to save you from the day of judgment. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? For, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came to the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In the burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Now, is there value in the Old Testament? Absolutely. The moral law of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, is indispensable for us because it lights our path and it shows us the will of God. But it has no power to save. It has no power to keep you from sinning. The power of the law is to show you you're a sinner. That's the power of the law of God and the beauty of it. And it points to Christ. It points to that once and for all sacrifice. The one that's permanent. The one that's eternal. Oh, I haven't preached in a while. Anyways, um, but by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. Woo, man, once for all. Can I get an amen on that? Once and for all, if you trust Jesus, you belong to Him. Man, you might try to run away from Him. You might try to ignore him. He'll chasten you. He'll try to draw you back to himself. And barring that, he will take you home early. It happens. It happens. So we go on. Um, <clears throat> but this man, Jesus, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. You know when he sat down, you know what he's saying? I'm finished. My work here is done. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And then he sat down. That's amazing. It's such a good passage of Scripture. I hope that you'll mark this and read it later. I'm going through this really quickly. Uh, I know it's not going to be 25 minutes today. So sorry to give you false hope. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, by one offering he perfected forever those who are being sanctified. How, how long has he perfected us? How long has He perfected us? I can't hear you. How long has He perfected us? Come on, guys. Forever. Forever and ever and ever. And you say, yeah, but pastor, I just sinned yesterday. Me too. That's why I'm being sanctified, but I have been forgiven. Man, if you missed it, you need to go on YouTube and watch the message from last week where Brother Pat preached. Uh, I'm going to get it up on the podcast. It was a powerful sermon on sanctification. It's, and it starts, though, your sanctification starts through the blood 
of Jesus. Without that, you can keep trying to be good and change your behavior and change your attitudes, but if you don't come through the blood, you are not forgiven, you are not cleansed, you are not free, and you are not destined for an eternal life in heaven. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I, this is so awesome, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And he adds, their sins and lawless deeds, whoo, I will remember no more. Man, you know, there's a place in the, in the book of Psalms where he says, you cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. There's a place where he says he throws them behind his back to remember them no more. And my understanding of that anatomy of your back, anybody have a wife and you say, could you scratch my back? Right? And she's like, really? You know what I'm saying? And the reason why is because you're trying to scratch your back and there's that one spot, right? That one spot you can't reach. When God says he puts his, your sins behind his back, that's the part of anatomy that he's talking about. He's not going to reach back for it. He's not going to go back for it. He's not going to search for it. It's gone. It's gone. Now, where there is remission of sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus and by the new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, look what it says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, full confidence of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love. Boy, we could use some of that, some of that in our churches today. Stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to challenge you guys online. Why aren't you here? In some cases, you're not here because you have a legitimate concern for your health. I get that. In some other cases, it may just be that you're lazy pastor. Don't say that. Oh my goodness. It may just be that you have an attitude. I want to challenge you. Don't forsake the assembly. You ought to judge your reasoning by the word of the living God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission I added that, that last part. That's why it's in italics. It's inferred. Of sins. I'll never forget the day we had an evangelist at Emmanuel. It was over on the other side. Some of you might remember this. It was an old-time evangelist, Gerald Fielder. And he got up there and he preached this pat. Well, not the whole passage that I'm reading, but a portion of it. And he got to that word, remission, and he started to preach this. He had us repeat him. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Anybody remember that? Is it just me? Trish, you must remember. So I want you to say this with me. One, two, three. 
Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Say it again. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And here I want you to understand, not the blood of sheep and goats, and not even your blood can purchase the remission of your sins. And that's how religion is built. Religion is built that our blood perfects us, or our works perfect us, our deeds perfect us, our religiosity perfects us. Look at all the religions of the world. Save biblical Christianity. And they all say the same basic thing in different languages, with different semantics, but ultimately they all say this, do good, be good, and you might enter nirvana, heaven, have a higher reincarnation to a higher body, right? You might come back as something better, but it's all based on what? You. It's all based on you. It doesn't matter what religion you're looking at. It's all based on you. And then along comes biblical Christianity. And God said, it's all based on me. All the glory comes to me. Matter of fact, um, in the book of Romans, it teaches us, where is the boasting? When those who are redeemed get to heaven, not one person will approach the throne of God and say, "Woo! I made it! <laughs> Look at me! In fact, those who are truly saved will fall on their knees at the feet of Jesus. And there's a passage in Revelation where it talks about the elders casting their crowns. And why are they casting their crowns? Because they belong to Jesus. The good works that we do, the good deeds that we do, the good morals that we have as believers in Jesus, He's the one that empowers us to do any of them. That's why I said when I started, I was, I was lacking inspiration. And I'm praying to God, I, I don't want to get up here on my own power by my own merit, and bring a message to God's people. It's got to be His power. It's got to be His ideas. It's got to be His direction. And so, what does the word remission mean? It means forgiveness, in case you haven't figured it out. There's no putting away of our sins. There's no forgiveness of our sins. There's no cleansing of our sins without the blood of Jesus. Now I'll talk about sin for a minute. Let me take a sip. Oh, I'm telling you. My throat's not even that sore right now, so hallelujah. Do not be deceived. Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He's talking to believers and unbelievers, really. For he who sows to his flesh will of the, reap, of the flesh reap corruption. When he talks about sowing to the flesh, he's talking about sin. When we follow our perverted ways, and every single person here is perverted, you're like, I can't believe you just said that about me. Oh, dude, it's absolutely true. Just look in the mirror when you go home and nobody else is around. Ask yourself what you've thought about the previous week. Ask yourself some of the things that you've said to your family. Unfortunately, sometimes the things we say to our family are things we would never say to anybody else. And we're brutal with our own family. That's perverted. That's perverted. So when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about the perversion of God's creation. When we sow to the flesh, when, we, when we're angry without cause, and we're angry out of control, 
we are going to reap corruption. That is what sin does. Sex outside of marriage? Reap corruption. Reap corruption. Pride and arrogance? Reap corruption. My God, our world is full of pride and arrogance today. And the people that are prideful and arrogant refuse to hear the word of the living God and they are their own God and their reason supplants the word of God. They're arrogant. And they are sowing to themselves corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit submits to the Holy Spirit walks in the Spirit. Listen man, you reap everlasting life. Behold, the Lord's hand, Isaiah now, chapter 59, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Can I get an amen on that? That's wicked awesome. The next few verses, not so much. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And your hands are defiled with blood. Your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of the eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are the works of iniquity. The act of violence is in their hands. With their feet they run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there's no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way will not know peace. Whew, that's a long list. And I know some of y'all are like, I haven't shed innocent blood. Yeah, but you've thought iniquitous, iniquitous thoughts. Now we move to Romans and talk about sin. This is what the blood of Christ is all about. We talk about sin. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we've previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. How many are under sin? All of us are under sin. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks God. They've all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. You see what Paul is doing here? He's quoting Isaiah. There is no fear of God. Before their eyes. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. And how much of the world? All the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law will no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. For those of you guys wondering where I got that, you know, the law has no power to save. Right. It's in the Scriptures, guys. I have no authority outside of the Scriptures. So, God hates sin. Can you all agree with that? Would you say that the way He's describing sin is someone that excuses it and thinks it's okay and not a big deal? Or would you agree with me that as we read this passage, it's painfully obvious that God hates sin? Why? What is the big deal about sin? Well, for one, it separates us. You read that in Isaiah. 
It separates the creation from the Creator. Why else from the passage that we read? Because sin corrupts everything it touches. We dabble with sin. We're reaping corruption. God hates that for us. God doesn't want to see His creation perverted and corrupted. Why? Because sin is a perversion of all that is good. All that is good. And there's a lot of people today in religion and in politics who are perverting that which is good. Because sin, finally, calls into question the character and nature of God Himself. Sin is an affront to the person of God. You all understand that? It's the antithesis of God. It causes man to question God's goodness when God Himself declares Himself to be good. And so sin says God is a liar. God is a liar. God is not good. Sin calls into question the very existence of God and it calls into question the authority of God. God hates sin. And because He hates sin so much, but loves His creation so much, He sent His Son Jesus. And by the way, Jesus wasn't handcuffed and sent to earth. He was a willing participant in the plan of salvation. He wasn't only a willing participant, He's part of the Godhead, Him and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, that they all came up with the plan together. And so we're like, I can't believe God would send His only Son. How horrible. No, God is Jesus. And He came willingly to shed His blood. And the shed blood because of the hatred of sin, the heinousness of sin, the requirement for forgiveness is the shedding of blood. Back to Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus, to all and on all who believe. There's no difference. For all of sinning fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely. Again, when we get to heaven, we're not walking to heaven on our own merits. We're not saying, boy, I'm glad I paid for my salvation. Listen, guys. There, 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 there's no indulgences from the true church of Jesus Christ. Those of you guys have studied history and the Inquisition and, and how one of these churches actually sold indulgences for sin. Guys, there's no paying for sin with your own money. There's no paying for sin with your own works. There's no paying for sin by turning over a new leaf. It's only through the blood of Jesus Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by what? By what? By His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be, the, be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Whew. I got through that. That's good news. Both that I got through it and what I'm going to say right now. That's good news. That's good news. Man, there is no better news 
If you're here this morning and you do not know with absolute confidence that if you were to die at this moment, man, COVID comes on you, you get double pneumonia, you can't breathe, you go to the hospital, they hook you up to a oxygen, and then you die. Do you know if that happened to you? That when you opened your eyes, you would see Jesus? Or is there some kind of doubt in your heart? Some kind of doubt, maybe I'm not good enough. A lot of times when I ask people that question, they say, well, I hope so. I hope so. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I think so. I hope so. Well, I've prayed. None of that matters. Hope so is the same thing as saying when you wish upon a star. It's not true hope. When people say, I hope so. When people say, well, I pray every day. Praying every day will not wash away your sin. Praying every day will not save you from an eternity in hell. Praying every day will not earn forgiveness in your life. Prayer is a useless exercise if you are not coming to God through the blood of Jesus with absolute confidence in His sacrifice alone. Not the amount of prayer, not the amount of church attendance, not the amount of money you give to the church. None of that matters for your salvation It's only through the blood. But the good news is not only did God provide for it, but since I'm still preaching and the rapture hasn't occurred and you haven't died here yet, or you haven't died here yet, there's still time. Dude, that's the best news of all. Maybe you're a church member, but you've been struggling with doubts and fears and you don't know that if you were to die, you'd open your eyes in glory. Listen, trust in Jesus right now. Don't wait. There's still time while you're still alive, while you're still drawing breath. Before that rapture happens where God calls the church out of here, folks, there's still time for you. There's still time for you. Why would you walk away from a God that loves you so much that he provided everything you need? Why would you do that? There is still time if you haven't believed Would you place your faith in Jesus Christ right now where you're sitting, whether you're at home, wherever you are watching online, here in the sanctuary? Would you once and for all let go? Let go. The word repentance means that we turn from our own way toward God, the living way. Folks, if you're holding on to religion and then you're saying, well, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to save me too, You're not truly placing your faith in Jesus. It's Jesus plus my religion. If your faith is in your baptism, but I'm going to ask Jesus too, your faith is in baptism and not in Jesus. Do you understand? You have got to give it all once and for all. All of your faith to Jesus once and for all. And He will save your eternal soul. And we read, did you read that passage with me from Hebrews? Eternally protect you and hold you. There's this amazing passage of Scripture that in John chapter 10 where Jesus says, My sheep hear My voice and they follow Me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. And He goes on, Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all. I and My Father are one. And then the Apostle Paul builds on this and he says, You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. I want you to think about that for a second, man. When you come to Jesus for salvation, not through your good works, not through praying every day, not through being a good dude or a good lady, right? When you come to Jesus, He grabs hold of you in His hand. If that's not enough, the Father God wraps His hand around Jesus' hand and you're in the middle. And if that's not enough, 
the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, seals over the Father's hand and the Son's hand and nothing can break the seal of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Come on, man. You are eternally secure. That should give you this. Confidence. That should give you confidence. You see, our, 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 how many of you guys um, run your lives by emotion? It's okay. Admit it. Right? Our emotions are deceiving. Did you know that? Emotions are a gift from God and they're a great thermometer, but they're a terrible thermostat. Emotions can reveal things to us like, why am I angry? Why am I upset? It says something, something's making me angry. So you ask yourself why. And then, you, and then you inspect. One day, a child in my house, who I will not give the name, I was, I was in the house and I heard this child say, Jesus Christ. I know, that was my, that was my. I'm like, what did you say? Go to your room. And the child in question said, I didn't say that. I'm like, God, I want to hear it. Get in your room. I was angry. I knew why I was angry. But I didn't investigate it. I just made an assumption that my hearing was good, which my hearing isn't great. And it turns out, he, um, the child in question, <laughs> she, he, came, came to service. I had, told, I had told her, him, to go to their room and I saw them come into service and I'm like what are you doing here I told you to go to your room mom said I could come and I'm like oh really that ain't the way it works in my house my wife and I are always on the same page and we do not countermand each other otherwise your kids will play you against each other like a fiddle and they're wicked good at it parents you better figure this out you need to be on the same page even if you disagree with your spouse be on the same page well trish was right and i was wrong so i got on the same page pretty quick lee because i found out that the child in question did not say jesus christ i misheard he or she and i was wrong that's what happens when you let emotions control your life I hurt my relationship with my child. I wouldn't listen to him because I knew what I knew. Get in your room. So you guys that are running your life by emotion, that's just one perfect example of how emotion can ruin your life. There are brothers who don't talk today. Why? Because of misunderstandings and running their lives by their emotions. So emotions could thermometer. Uh, yeah, thermometer, a terrible thermostat. You don't set the temperature of your life by your emotions. You allow your emotions to reveal things to you. And then with reason, intellect, and the word of God, you determine how you should react to those emotions. And sometimes you'll find out that that anger emotion really wasn't appropriate. Follow? That's just, hey guys, by the way, go on to uh, our YouTube page. Look up Emotion Commotion. If you want to learn more about that, you'll find it there. We can have confidence even when we don't feel like he's hearing our prayers. We can have confidence even when we don't think we can see God working. We can have confidence. Why? Through the blood of Jesus, he has promised us. Did you read Hebrews with me? Were you paying attention? That we can enter into the throne room of God. Not by our own merit. 
but through the blood of Jesus. There it is. We can approach the throne of grace to find mercy in time of need. That's Hebrews chapter 4. In chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus is our high priest and how that he is moved with our circumstances because he lived a human life. And he knows experientially what we're going through. He's touched by our infirmities. He's touched by our struggles. And through his blood, we enter the throne room of heaven. So, judicially, when we come to Christ for salvation, we are declared not guilty in the high court of heaven. Our sins, past and present and future, are washed away in the courtroom of heaven. Legally, we're declared not guilty. But then we live this life, right? And we're like, mm, I know I'm not guilty, but I really screwed up yesterday. And if we listen to the wrong voices, we feel like we cannot come to the Father because we're dirty. And there's a great illustration of this in the Gospels where where Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. And um, he gets to Peter, Mr. Outspoken, emotionally led disciple. He gets to Peter. And he goes to wash Peter's feet. And he says, oh, no, don't wash my feet. Ah." And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. He says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, then wash my whole body. Give me a sponge bath. And Jesus said, you're already clean. You only need your feet to be clean. And that's very much the work of sanctification that Patrick was talking about. As we walk and we move in this world, we will fall and we will fail. Remember, judicially, all of those sins are washed in the blood of Jesus. But experientially, we still need to come to the throne of grace. Now, I want you to understand how he phrased this. Hebrews chapter 4. Let us come therefore boldly, that's with confidence, because of what? The blood of Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. What's the next phrase? I know it's not on the screen. I'm just memorized. To obtain what? To obtain what? Mercy and find help in time of need. Mercy is there for when we have fallen and failed. Grace is what lifts us up and keeps us from falling and failing. You see the difference? Grace is the presence of strength. Mercy is the forgiveness of sin. Right? And so we can come to the throne of grace knowing that God will lift us up and enable us to walk with Him. And we can receive forgiveness experientially of our sin. Because the blood of Christ... Oh man, this last slide. The, the um, worship team's going to come up. I made it. Thank you. I just applauded for myself. Because um, the last slide is so awesome. Are you ready? You're this Man, hold on to your horses. You might get excited on this last slide. If you don't, <clears throat> ready? Are you ready? Who wants to see the last slide? Oh, wrong slide. Ooh, man, just let that soak in for a second. Those of y'all that have struggled and you've fallen and you've failed 
and you feel like God's not listening to your prayers and, and you feel like there's no hope for you and you feel like you've fallen one time too many and you just feel like, man, I'm washed up. I'm of no value, no use. Man, let that slide sink in. The blood of Jesus is as effective today as it has ever been. The blood of Jesus is as effective today as it has ever been. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.